So Money Episode 295, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Creating opportunities by starting your own business is one of the most empowering things you can do for yourself. However, it can also be overwhelming at times. The secret to getting more done isn't about finding more time, but rather finding the right tools. Our friends at FreshBooks couldn't agree more. FreshBooks has created an amazingly simple invoicing tool designed for small business owners who need to focus on their work, not their paperwork. Oh, and invoicing is only the start. FreshBooks lets you know instantly when your client has viewed your invoice and even imports your expenses directly from your business checking account. Get ready to say goodbye to searching for receipts when it comes to tax time. If you do have questions, just contact the award-winning FreshBooks support team and get help from real live humans. No phone tree, no let me escalate that, just helpful service at the drop of a hat. To try FreshBooks for free for 30 days, just go to freshbooks.com forward slash so money and enter so money in the how did you hear about us? section. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Well, ahead of introducing today's wonderful guest, I have to quickly share with you the charity fundraiser and competition that's going to be going on all month here at So Money, the entire month of November, in tandem with a charity fundraiser forward slash competition going on with Joe Saul Sihai's podcast, Stacking Benjamins. And to tell us all about that, I brought on Joe. And Joe, here you go. What, take the mic. You, you invited me onto this little fundraiser of yours, and I'm I'm excited, but also a little nervous. Farnish, I'm way excited that we're doing this together. You know, uh, we can raise a bunch of money for charity. And I love this at the end of the year with Thanksgiving. For people in the United States, we end the month of November with uh, Thanksgiving. And I thought, what a great way for our community to help another community that might need it. So we are going to be raising money for the Texas 4000, which is a 4,000 mile bike ride that University of Texas students take to raise money for cancer research and, and cancer-related causes. Uh, I know that they give a lot of money to MD Anderson Hospital, one of the premier uh, cancer treatment clinics in the United States in Houston, Texas. And then they also give it to worthwhile uh, research facilities around the nation. So we're going to be raising money at, at, at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Texas 4000. And it's cool because our organization, Farnoosh, has a lot in terms of where the money goes a lot in common with who you're raising money yes. for. Talk about that for a minute. Well, thank you. That was a nice transition. So uh, I have chosen, our team here at So Money has chosen the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, near and dear to my heart as well, because I was a part of this when I was in college. It's the Penn State IFC Panhellenic Dance Marathon. It's affectionately known as THON, and it's a year-long effort to raise money and awareness for the fight against pediatric cancer. It's raised over over $125 million for the Four Diamonds Fund at Penn State Hershey Children's Hospital. And next year's THON 2016 is what we are fundraising for now. And that will be taking place February 19th through the 21st. It's a 46-hour dance marathon. I did it and I survived. It was 
life altering, but of course, it's for an amazing, tremendous, and important cause. Thon.org forward slash so money. Thon.org forward slash so money is where you can go to contribute. I know it's high season for canning, and this is a way to join in on the fun. Anything you can do, know that it will be well spent. Over 95% of funds go to the families. That's so great. And the writer that we're writing for, uh, who's writing in the Texas 4000, her name is Shelby Schreiber. Her father was a single dad raising her farnoosh. And when she was in high school, he started feeling bad, went to the doctor. It turned out he had terminal cancer and he passed away when she was just in high school. Hmm. So here she is without a dad. And now she decided she's going to ride this 4,000 mile bike ride in honor of him. And they spend no money on the bike ride. Uh, All the food along the way, all the housing along the way is donated. So I love these organizations, but stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Texas four zero zero zero. And I hope together we can raise a lot of money. I think we will. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. It's Ask Farnoosh time, Friday, November 20th. Welcome, everyone. Coming up later on the show, questions about cashing out an old health savings account, HSA, buying a home while paying down debt, and out-earning your husband by a mile and preparing for a baby at the same time, how to create more income stability for you and your family. But first, want to catch up on our fundraiser totals so far this month. As you know, all month long, So Money and Stacking Benjamins, the two podcasts, are competing against each other to raise money for their reserved charities. And here at So Money, we've reserved THON, which is the largest student-run philanthropy raises money for families stricken with childhood cancer so that they can receive free medical care. All the money goes to the Four Diamonds Fund in Hershey, Pennsylvania. We've raised $400 for THON so far this month, which is fantastic. Thank you to everybody who's given. Cannot thank you enough. The Stacking Benjamins team has raised close to $12 hundred dollars, three times as much as we have. And of course, Stacking Benjamins, their designated charity is the Texas 4000. It's a 4000 mile bike ride that uh, University of Texas students take to raise money for cancer research and cancer related causes. Joe was on the podcast earlier talking about that and why he is passionate about it. So we both have really amazing charities to uh, encourage you to donate to. And I'm going to be donating to uh, Texas 4000. Joe's going to be donating to Thon, but hopefully we'll win. I mean, it'd be nice for so money to be the winner at the end of the month to say that we raised more money than Stacking Benjamins. Because here's what happens. If we lose, then I have to read an introduction to this podcast that Joe writes. He's very good with his words and that won't bode well for me. So I would love if you could do what you can and let me know when you donate because I would like to thank you sincerely. And if you are someone who recently paid off college debt, switching gears now, if you're someone who recently paid off college debt and a lot of it, email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com because I'm preparing a week-long series dedicated to college in the new year and would like to interview someone who listens to this show who has triumphantly paid off their student loans. So email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. Tell me how you did it and why you'd like to be a guest. All right, let's move on to our questions here. First up is Chelsea says, hey, Farnoosh, my husband and I live in California. We have an infant son. And right now we both work and make over $200,000 jointly. So we're not eligible to contribute to Roth IRAs. I'm looking for ways that I can invest money 
but not be hit with so many tax implications. I believe we cannot invest in Roth or traditional IRAs, and I don't think we can invest in non-deductible IRAs, but I could be wrong. Do you have recommendations as to how we should invest money to defer or reduce our tax bills? We have 401ks, brokerage accounts, a 529 for my son, and some old Roth IRAs from when we were eligible to contribute. Thanks. So Chelsea, it's a very, very good question. And I think many people are in your boat where you earn too much in order to be eligible for the Roth IRA. And you're not ineligible for a traditional IRA, but you are ineligible to get the tax deduction. So that is the differentiator there. So And just to clarify for everyone listening, when you're married filing jointly, you have to earn less than $183,000 to fully contribute to a Roth IRA. That's in 2015, according to the IRS. If you're married filing separately, you have to learn less than $10,000 to fully contribute to a Roth IRA. And if you're single or head of household, you have to learn less than $116,000. And like I said, you can still contribute to a traditional IRA, but you may not be eligible for the income tax deduction. There is a loophole that will allow you to contribute to a Roth IRA given your income. It's called the backdoor Roth IRA. You contribute to a non-deductible traditional IRA and the limits for this year are 5,500 or 6,500 if you're 50 or older. And then you convert that account to a Roth IRA. It's a weird loophole, but one that a lot of higher earning investors are using to get access to a Roth's potential for tax-free retirement income. You can make the conversion, I believe, the day after you fund your traditional IRA. The conversion is pretty quick, and so there usually isn't a tax bill. And if there is, it's not very big because taxes would be only due on the conversion where your contributions have grown in value. So in 24 hours... It's not likely your contributions have grown in value unless you've had some major rally and you did it during market hours. And so the earnings would be taxed as income at that point of the conversion. But again, because it's done quickly, it's relatively small. But to make sure this goes smoothly, I highly advise you work with a financial advisor to make sure that this is done without a hitch. Because there are exceptions to this, of course, I'm not going to get into them, but straightforward, simply, this is something that can be done quickly. And it's one way to access a Roth IRA when you make too much money. Jose says, hello, I love your podcast. I have a quick question. Which is better to start a business or invest in the stock market? (laughs) My goodness, Jose. Well, I don't think you have to look at starting a business and investing in the stock market as an either or scenario. I look at this as two great options in life that you should tackle both. And I would say start the business and think about having some money go towards long-term investments like retirement, long-term investments in an IRA, a Roth IRA, or if you're currently working in your employer's sponsored retirement account, like a 401k or 403b, these are two big goals, two important goals. And if, and I don't see one necessarily taking precedence over the other. Your future is important. Investing in the stock market is important for your future, for your retirement. If you're 
asking this simply from an ROI standpoint, return on investment, gosh, if I had a crystal ball, I, I would be in a different line of business. I wouldn't be doing a podcast. I'd be answering people's questions about everything and anything. This is a question that is a big question mark. And depending on the kind of business you want to pursue, the risks you're willing to take, it's just, uh, you know, it's anyone's guess. I love that you think that I have the wherewithal to know the answer to this. I don't. I don't know, Jose, but I would say if you're interested in starting a business, go for it and make sure that all the while you are being attentive and respectful of your future and your needs in the future by opening up the appropriate accounts to get you on a long-term saving strategy towards retirement. Next, we've got a question from Brittany. She says, I'm a regular binge listener to the show. Love the stories and advice you offer. My question is regarding what my options are for dealing with an old health savings account. Since changing jobs and enrolling in a non-high deductible health plan, I no longer qualify to contribute to it. I have, however, continued using it for medical expenses, and the balance is approaching the minimum level required by the bank servicing the account in order to avoid a monthly maintenance fee. I really don't like the idea of the bank tapping those funds because I'm taking advantage of the intended benefit, yet I'm barred from keeping the balance above a certain level in order to avoid that penalty. Is there anything I can do with that account so that I can continue to use those dollars to my advantage without incurring any taxes or penalties? I appreciate your advice. Well, Brittany, I, I feel you. I wouldn't like the idea of being charged a fee because I can no longer maintain the minimum balance because you're prohibited from in, you know, contributing to this any, any longer because you're no longer with the employer. Listen, I would just try to find a way to just use up all the funds once and for all within a very short period of time to avoid the maintenance fees, just deplete the account, spend it all. You can use your HSA funds for IRS qualified expenses, as you know, and it's everything from dental treatments to vision care, visiting your therapist, acupuncture, acupuncture, believe it or not. So there's a lot that you can do with this money that's your money. And I would just say to work around this is you got to work fast. You got to get those funds used up and to your benefit. HSABank.com has the whole list of qualified expenses. So use this money well and quickly. It's kind of unfortunate, but there is a way around this and that's just spending quickly. Michael says, an active listener from London. Well, hello, Michael. Learning off you amongst other finance experts, you all work for yourselves. I would love to start learning and ultimately be my own boss, but I have no idea where to start. I currently work for a prestigious university earning a decent salary, cutting my credit card debt, and likely to purchase a home in the next five years. Can I do these things simultaneously or take one thing at a time? Thank you so much. Love the podcast. And I recommend you on this side of the pond. Well, on this side of the pond, Michael, thank you so much for your loyalty to the show and for sending in this great question. You're clearly super ambitious. Love to know that my listeners have so many great goals. And I would say, you know, call me optimistic, but I definitely think you can accomplish all of this as long as you give yourself time and you plan appropriately. I think you can slash debt and buy a home in the next five years. Sure. I mean, it depends on how much debt you have, but as long as you're not in a big rush 
to buy that home, as long as you are prioritizing your debt payments and not just paying the minimums, but really putting a huge chunk towards that debt every single month. Remember, your credit will be critical in your ability to qualify for that mortgage. And in the future, if you want to start a business, credit will also play a role as you maybe go out and try to find loans for your business or opening up credit cards, business credit cards. Priority is to get out of debt. And if you're looking to kind of take these baby steps or one at a time, it's the debt that has to get out of the picture ASAP, take it off the plate. And then from there, you're going to have more options and you'll have the income, the disposable income that you didn't have before that's no longer going towards the debt that you can use towards more aggressively saving for the home, for the business. There is nothing that will prevent you from planning. You don't need to have savings to plan. You can be in debt and plan. So if there is something that's going to happen simultaneously, it's paying off the debt and planning because once that debt's gone, then you can hit the ground running and you've got cash in your hand. Good luck to you. And let me know how the business goes. If you've got any questions as you are paying down this debt or about to embark on buying the home, let me know. I love hearing more and more from my listeners as they evolve and as their uh, as their lives progress. Sharon says, hey, Farnoosh, I'm loving your show. I think this question speaks a lot to what inspired you to write your book, When She Makes More. I have a very sweet, supportive husband, but I find myself in a dilemma. We are newly wed. I'm 35, so we need to plan our family soon, and I vastly out-earn my husband. He doesn't even earn enough for childcare, and I'm self-employed, so when I don't work, I don't earn. I definitely don't have the savings to fund a maternity leave either. I'm wondering, what are your tips for professional women like me who feel a tension to have to work as much as possible to support the family? I feel a lot of anticipatory stress about having a family and having all the financial responsibility on me. Plus that naturally with breastfeeding and childcare, a lot will naturally be my domain as well. Help. All right, Sharon. I wrote my book for you, really, because um, I feel your pain. I felt your pain. And I, I have to say, one of your advantages right now is that you're not pregnant in, in a way because once you're pregnant, things move very quickly and it feels like you don't have time to plan, but you know what you want. And so take this time to plan accordingly. And it may mean making some huge shifts and changes in how you're running your life with your partner and that's a conversation or a series of conversations that you need to have. Planning is even more important for you and your partner at this stage. And you have to really talk about how bringing a baby into your family will, will require more financial stability. It absolutely will. You're going to need some security blankets in place. And at the very least, you want to start saving every single penny right now. And you mentioned the income disparity, and I know it's huge, but your husband still earns something and it can help if he dedicates the next year or longer to just banking his income. Imagine that, banking your entire salary, living off of just what you make. It will require reducing your budget, obviously, a little bit. But if he can kind of just put his money to the side and use that as your emergency fund, your security fund to help through uncertain financial times once the baby's born, to help support you during the maternity leave and the family, of course, giving his money this sort of meaning will be major. And I think as a man, he'll feel really positive about that because this is a way for him to really identify his financial contribution in a significant way. And it is significant. Um, 
He may not earn enough to pay for childcare on a monthly basis or the everyday bills, but saved over the long term, starting today until that baby's born. And even when that baby's born, continuing to just put his money aside to be there for the family in the event that there will be a need for it and there will. That's, I think, step one. You also want to talk to your husband about if he's not making enough money today, can he look to make more money in the future, in the near future? Start looking for higher paying work. Start developing the skills now, taking the night courses now to then be attractive to those employers that are paying their employees more money. And at the very least, if you can find a job that has substantial healthcare benefits, because prenatal and delivery expenses are not cheap if you're not covered by insurance. I mean, my hospital bills, just the two days that I was in the hospital, like $13,000. Of course, I had insurance, so it paid everything. I did not pay a penny. But imagine I have to pay $13,000 just to bring my, my baby home. So lock that down and protect yourself by getting that insurance. And if it means your husband has to switch jobs to get the company to, to work for the company with the better benefits, even if his salary doesn't change, that could be your saving grace in some ways. And finally, yeah, childcare. What kind of setup is ideal for you? Take the time now to think about what kind of arrangement would be ideal for you? Would would it be a full-time nanny? Would it be a part-time daycare situation? Would your husband want to stay at home for the first six months? How much time do you want to take off? And be honest with yourself. Don't, I, you know, I, I, I felt this pressure to go back into the workplace as soon as I had Evan. I just felt that I was going to immediately lose relevancy that, um, I don't know. I just, I had this impatience and I, I think that was wrong. I think I should have been a little bit more patient with myself and my body healing and the experience and the bond with Evan. I think that you can't replace that. And so as an entrepreneur and as someone who works for herself, that's a challenge, but also an opportunity because you have the opportunity to make your own schedule in some way. And if you know, and you can anticipate that you want to have this family, you might be able to make the, take those steps now to be able to arrange for that once the baby arrives. So lots to think about, lots to plan for, but you're asking these questions at the best time possible when the baby is not in the picture yet and when you can actually think and reflect and plan and change and shift gears and change your life in a way to be able to make room for that baby and to be able to feel secure as a family once you're a bigger family. So good luck and thanks for your question. Natalie says, Hey, Farnoosh, I listen to your podcast every day and I'm excited to have a question for you. My husband recently accepted a new job and his income is increasing by 80%. Wow. High five. As our income increases, we would like to reevaluate our budget and our goals. Would you suggest we meet with a financial planner or financial advisor? And if so, how do you suggest finding one? I'm not looking to buy a lot of products. Thank you. Natalie, I think if you just want budgeting advice, you don't necessarily need a financial advisor. Although I have a financial advisor, I find them very useful if you want to talk about budgeting, but also retirement planning and insurance and investing and estate planning. You're saying you're not wanting to buy products, but maybe you do need life insurance. Maybe you do need that will and you don't have it yet. A financial planner can help you connect those dots. A few guests that I've had on my show before, Sophia Barra of Gen Y Planning, Alan Moore of XY Planning Network, both financial professionals who may be able to help you with this single question of budgeting around a higher income. 
And I'd say that your impulse may be to add more to your life because it's exciting. 80% increase is huge. You might want to buy the house, get the better car, more vacations. But take a step back and just think about how you can use this money to create more security in your life. And if you're looking to find a financial planner outside of perhaps Sophia and Alan, whom I mentioned already, check out napfa.org. That's the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, napfa.org. I also like Garrett Planning Network, garrettplanningnetwork.com. These two sites will hook you up with a certified financial professional in your area. These are fee-only advisors. They don't make commission off any products they sell you. And so that's a that's a good thing. Wow. Are we at the end of that? That was it. That was a lot of stuff, right? Thanks so much, everybody. I got a little carried away there. Natalie, Michael, and Brittany and Jose. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your questions. I have a really smart audience. You guys are asking really, really intelligent questions. It feels good. Thank you, everyone. Hope you have a great weekend. Just a week till Thanksgiving. What are your plans? I'll be going to Pennsylvania to visit my in-laws and we're going to have a great turkey day. I'll be back in New York on Black Friday for a Today Show segment. So stay tuned to NBC on Black Friday morning because hopefully you won't be in the stores and I will be talking about what deals to avoid and what might be some good buying opportunities on Black Friday and the weekend. So in the meantime, everyone, thanks again and hope you have a So Money weekend.